Welcome, you're listening to Sansiche. Where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd. Today on Sansiche, we have Michael Peter Langevin, who is an amazing individual. He has written three books. Those books are Sacred um, Peruvian Incas, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, Spiritual Businesses in Magic Publishing Magazine, and I can't remember the third book is, but... The Secrets of the Amazon Shamans. Ah. Uh, Excellent. And the first one actually is The Secrets of the Ancient Incas. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. You got it close. Michael is also a, a psychologist for uh, parents who have ha- children with heroin addictions. And um, over the Queen Mary event last year in the Queen Mary ship, I got to sit down and chat with Michael and hear his experiences and stories. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just wanted for him to come on to the podcast or the show and let him share his experiences. So welcome, Michael, and thank you for coming. Oh, my pleasure, Aaron. Good to be with you again. Ah, uh, yes. So tell us where it all started. <laughs> um, God, that, that's, a, that's a good question. Right now, I'm, I'm in Faber, Virginia, uh, working with the Monroe Institute, who helps people develop their their levels of consciousness explore things like um alternate uh views of reality um out-of-body experiences lucid dreaming uh intuitive healing Uh, i started as the son and grandson of a, a funeral director in a town about 30 miles north of boston massachusetts um called methuen uh and the the family farm was uh, surrounded by by cemeteries, and uh, I used to be woken up late at night to go help my father uh, collect de- dead bodies when he couldn't get anyone else to help him. Uh, so that gave me a, a very interested view into uh, life and death and spirituality in between. Wow. And you've written three books, Michael. What made you um, uh, decide or what made you into publishing or writing? Well... God, many things, Aaron, but uh, when I was in college in Boston, I, uh, I heard about, for the first time, um, the wonders of Peru and Machu Picchu, uh, and, and just was so moved by it. By the end of my semester, I had saved up enough money, Bailey, to uh, hitchhike from Boston to uh, Miami in a snowstorm and buy a round-trip ticket to Peru. Uh, where I made the $50 I had last for uh, six weeks. Um, in Latin America, um, magic is still believed to be real, so therefore people live differently and the energies are differently. Uh, after that, I came back to the United States and finished my education, but it became a passion for me to save up as much money as I could uh, and whenever I had enough to go back to Latin America, 
to meet the elders and the wise people and the shamans of the Andy Mountains and the Amazon jungle. Uh, so after I had accumulated a large amount of that material, the secrets of the ancient Incas just became to me uh, something that was important to get out to the public because I wanted to I wanted to to share with them just the the Incas who were there before the Spanish conquistadors came had a whole different view of reality, had a whole different way of moving in the world and interacting with each other in nature. And that so much of that we can't even conceive of with our Western view of reality. Um, that, that book speaks a lot about how reality is much more than the material world we live in and how the Incas knew this. Uh, years later, I was, I was able to take uh, a course here at the Monroe Institute, uh, their introductory gateway week-long course, and their founder, Bob Monroe, had really made it into a scientific, he had taken a lot of sh shamanistic uh, teachings and made them into a, a scientific approach using a, um, a, what he then was calling hemisync and a bi uh, final uh, uh, beat to put people into altered states of existence. And it was great to have scientific and intellectual terms for all the chaos magic that I had been experiencing, experiencing in my trips to Latin America and my work with the shamans there. Wow, that sounds very amazing. Describe what, um, what it's like to live that lifestyle of shamanism and Incas. Well, a lot of... I, I've been blessed to get to a lot of the still very isolated villages in the Andy Mountains and the Amazon jungles. And um, a lot of those people are living like their ancestors did 2,000 years ago. There's, there's a connectedness to nature. There's a, a value on the other people in the village. There's an understanding that most of the healing that is needed uh, can be supplied by the plants uh, and the herbs um, that surround the village. Uh, and it's an amazingly different approach to life when you remove the rat race schedule that we have in Europe and the United States and you replace it with a flowing schedule and an understanding of the respect. I, I, one of the basic things that I love about being in Latin America is that when somebody asks you how you're doing, they actually stop and listen uh, for the answer. And when you ask them, they expect you to do the same. There's this, there's this living from their heart, uh, from, from the center of their being, that's just much more authentic. Uh, a lot of the, the elders, the wise people, and especially the isolated shamans in the Amazon, move in and out of dimensions in a way that we think of as science fiction or fantasy. And to have experienced some of that has just uh, been so amazing to me. Wow. And how does what happens to get to that state? Do you take medication? Do you go into drums? What describe the... Well, some, some of all of that. There's, there's many different there's many different approaches. I mean, I, I've done... I've worked with shamans who work with ayahuasca, which has become fairly popular in the United States as of late. I've worked with shamans who have worked with San Pedro cactus and others with yayi, uh, which is a powder that that um, blown up the, your nose. And uh, one of my favorite stories that I like to tell is one time I was in northern Bolivia, and I was pestering this shaman who who really had no interest in uh, 
sharing much of his knowledge or, or secrets with a with a, um, a gringo who happened to be interested. But a, a, a very worn down, sickly fisherman farmer walked in uh, as he was about to throw me out, and he said, "Okay, if you're willing to share some of your energy, I I, I think you can help me." I, and I agreed. And he gave us both a cup of tea that was just plain tea. It was nothing in it. And then he touched both of our foreheads. And I was miraculously looking out of the fisherman farmer's eyes at myself. And when I saw my eyes, they were looking at me. And I was experiencing this man's life and his perspective. And I felt this deep love of his family and his village that motivated him to get up every morning and, and to, to work his farm and to, and to fish in the river. Um, and, and I felt his pain and, and his suffering and his never having enough. Uh, and I could see through my eyes or his eyes, depending on how you define it, he was trying to sort out my life as alien as it was to him. Um, after a while, the shaman touched both of our foreheads and I was back in my own body and um, the man and I hugged and, and the shaman thanked me and sent, sent us both on our way. Uh, it was just a, a miraculous experience that you don't get to have every day. That is, wow. So you're, so you're having all these these uh, shamanistic and spiritual experiences. Where did the, the concept of the second book, the magical publishing magazine? Yes, well, uh, while I was while I was in the States trying, uh, in San Francisco, trying to figure out how to make a living in my youth, I, I met so many writers and artists, uh, poets and, and spiritual teachers who had submitted their works to, to people in uh, you know, publishing houses, magazines, and had rejection notices because they were just too far out for the mainstream. I had worked with some amateur publications back in Boston that really hadn't taken off, but I knew the basics of that. So a group of us got together and decided to put out this unique information out of my living room in San Francisco. We started a magazine then called Magical Blend, which um, for five years we all volunteered, worked, worked on it nights and weekends, and, and worked day jobs to support it until it finally took off. Uh, it, it existed for 27 years. Uh, it was distributed in all the provinces in Canada and all of the states in the United States and all the major bookstore chains, uh, as well as 33 other countries. And we had two other magazines, Natural Beauty and Health and Transitions and five websites and a number of online newsletters before the economic downturn came and we decided to close it all down. But the spiritual business is about how we try to run that business, running it not necessarily just for profit, although any business has to be able to pay their bills, but how we also set it up to run on the spiritual principles that we were learning and exploring. Uh, I, part of my motivation to, to starting it and working on it was was to to meet spiritual teachers and creative um, trendsetters across the world. Uh, and enlightened masters, and I got to do all of that uh, for 27 years working on it, which was amazing to to um, take acid with Timothy Leary and swim with dolphins with John Lilly and and uh, 
talked to Terrence McKenna and and Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who Dr. Pol- Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who wrote Women Who Run with the Wolves and Marianne Williamson and on and on, Deepak Chopra and Dwayne Dyer. The list is just huge. I mean, one of the big ones was Robert Monroe, who founded the Monroe Institute, where I now work, uh, and and his edging edge cutting work. And when I was talking to one of the owners of what was then the publishing com- company Hampton Roads and telling him how I ran our business, he, he said to me, well, you need to turn that into a book. And I said, who's going to read about how we run a business? And he said, I'm a book publisher. I'll edit it and make sure people read about it. Uh, so he signed a, we signed a contract and I wrote the book and he edited it. Frank DeMarco, an amazing friend to this day. Uh, and uh, and it, it did very well, inspiring people that they could follow their dreams uh, and realize their hopes and, and and run their businesses and their lives from a whole different place than just cutthroat profit, which so much of the world runs on. Wow, that's a very amazing story. Um, who was your best person that you came across or who did you um, uh, resonate? I, I think one of the best lessons I learned was that there are a lot of people out there who have amazing insights and amazing skills um, but most of them have sacrificed something in their lives to get those skills and those talents and those insights so that most of them um, have feet of clay, meaning that you know they have other areas in their life that they haven't developed. Uh, and it was great for me to see that, that everybody has their own weaknesses, their own shortcomings, uh, their own drawbacks. Um, Deepak Chopra has an off day. Uh, Aaron Williamson has problems with relationships. Uh, Carolyn Mace wonders about um, uh, what people think about her. Uh, I'd, I'd say one of the most thoroughly integrated and, and impressive people that I got to know and call a friend was Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Uh, she was, she was, uh, um, she wrote The Women Who Run With The Wolves which just took off and inspired so many people, men and women alike, and a number of other great books. And, and she actually lived a spiritual life and, and, and cared about, about the people that she dealt with as much as she possibly could. Uh, Robert Monroe, again, I'm quite, I'm quite involved being the public relations uh, consultant for, for Monroe Institute now, I'm quite involved with, with, their institu- with the institute he started. And, he was a businessman on Wall Street who started having out-of-body experiences and uh, thought he was crazy, went to doctors, psychologists, and and they all said he was fine, but they couldn't explain what he was experiencing. He started doing research into the Eastern and religious mysteries and realizing that this had been something that had been reported for years, but because he had a business mind and a scientific mind, he set up an institute to research this and then put it into technologies and, and, and techniques where anybody who wants to go and take the time can actually learn to become psychic, to become intuitive, to have out-of-body experiences, to experience lucid dreaming, um, to become an intuitive healer. I mean, all of these things are available to all of us, and, and this institute... Um, teaches people how to do that. They're not the only one. There's many that do, but they've put it into a scientific, intellectual way. And Bob was was driven and passionate about setting this up and getting this to as many people around the world as possible. Wow. What does, I know you 
touch the small button on the institute does is that what it does at most or does it does do other things as well say one more time Aaron. i i said the the institute um does it just teach you spiritual things or other um what it's, it's more techniques they don't call it spiritual because they're in virginia which is part of the bible belt in the states so they're very careful to talk about things from a very scientific and intellectual approach which makes it very much more palatable to a lot of people who come here who um, are very they, this is their first what I would call experience uh, breaking out of the material world and and their religious upbringing uh, and and experiencing the true perspective and potential uh, of humans and and the wider spectrum of of reality than the material world I mean I was raised originally to to believe that if we couldn't touch it or feel it or use our five senses, it didn't exist. And I think a lot of people are raised that way. And and in truth, when you've danced with shamans in the Andy Mountains in the Amazon jungle, you realize that the material world is just a very small piece of, of the spectrum of reality. And, and Monroe Institute teaches that to people here. Um, they, they're, they're Recent classes, the, the one that they have coming up is is about uh, intuitive healing and, and helping people realize how to heal themselves and how to help other people find um, more health in their lives and to, to be able to basically figure out what's wrong with themselves and why psychologically it is and, and help other people who are having those problems to identify what the problems are and to, to help them go into their subconscious and remember early childhood experiences that that set the seeds that led to these ill health conditions that they're now experiencing. And you mentioned earlier my work um, working with, with uh, uh, meth addicts, drug addicts, uh, and, and and people with, psych, uh, with psychological diagnoses. And I really found uh, it very, this, this the, the things I learned in the Amazon jungle, the things I learned with, with, with uh, Magical Blend magazine, um, these kind of techniques that it taught at the Monroe Institute, I really found them to be extremely helpful. Part of my work was done with the, with the government of California, and, which was overseen by the U.S. government, and, and I had to be very careful about what I brought in and how, but you could go back to basics and you could ask people their their, what was important to them in their lives and, and, and drug addicts and people with psychological issues love their children and they don't want to lose their children and they want to be as good as they can for their children and using this as a touchstone you know it's, it's very hard meth, heroin, crack cocaine are, are just so addictive that they take over people's lives but a certain percentage a higher percentage than, than a lot of people I was able to help to remember what was important to them, and then to do things like as simple as join a church or or go to AA or NA, Narcotics Anonymous, or to find a support system of one kind or another, and then to start building back in their lives to, to stop using um, the substance or lessen their use, to forgive themselves when they when they backslid and started using again and, and recommit to, to quitting and to find jobs and to find meaning in their lives and and then to put their families back together and to function in a healthy way and and 
And when somebody has someone who believes in them and believes that they have the potential to do that, a lot of times that's all it takes for them to do um, miracles in their own lives. That um, sounds so touching. Um, you describe uh, did those did that journey or that those experiences with those uh, parents and children who, or the parents who had alcohol problems did it benefit your life experiences or depending on how open they were and what the setting was. I did some. I did therapy with some and others. I, w I was more acting as a government agent to see if they were safe to have their children in their homes, how bad the situation was. But depending on the setting and depending on the individuals and depending on their openness, I was able to talk to some of them um, uh, about what I believe and how I lived and, and how I used shamanic practices and spiritual practices to enhance my life and to expand my sense of reality and to call on on other energies and and other uh, powers to, to help give me strength I mean others we fell back to the to the Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous path and said call on God whatever you define God as um, to give you strength for where you don't have the strength to, to give you will where you don't have the will um, some of these people a lot of that work I did now two, two and a half years ago, and, and some of them have remained friends and, and still talk to me about what they, what they do and how their family is functioning on Facebook or, or via email. And, 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 and some of them are still doing great and, and in spite of all odds have high-functioning families. And, and some of them, you know, they see my postings on Facebook and say, I don't quite understand this. Can you explain it to me and, and what this means? You know, because when you've been raised in a in a, a Christian family uh, in the north of California, the rural California, you, you don't have the same reference point. Someone who's traveled the world and been um, and 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 been the places I've been and studied the things I've studied. So so it's fun to be able to keep in touch with some of these people. We were able also uh, in that. In that setting, to do to do work with the community motivation, where we went into into really rundown apartment complexes and and worked with the people as a preventive mechanism, so the families didn't have to fall apart. We worked with the people who live there and who are afraid of their neighbors to form committees and to and to teach each other things as simple as scrapbooking or, or soccer or um, what you call football. Um, or, or uh, um, uh, to do exercises, or how to do uh, how to do shopping more cheaply. We set up free lunch program. We had them set up free lunch programs by asking stores and what have you to to donate um, foods for their for their summer programs for their kids who usually didn't have lunch because they weren't going to summer school during the summer. Um, and in a matter of months, those people went from being afraid of each other to being uh, a great community and, and a support system for each other. And the number of times that uh, government agencies had to go in there, whether they were the fire department, the police department, uh, uh, the, the adult services, the children protective services, even the, even the ambulances from the hospital, the number of times they had to go in there reduced measurably uh, and dramatically, because these people were now taking care of each other instead of taking advantage of each other. 
And, and again, it was just using these spiritual principles that we teach here at the Monroe Institute that I taught in the Amazon jungle that are worded very differently, but about caring. I mean, and it goes back to the golden rule, caring, caring treating other people like you treat you want to be treated yourself caring about other people, being willing to do the extra, believing that, that there's more potential than you ever imagined and that you can do the impossible if you, if you try. Um, those things really make a difference in people's lives. That's it. I, I agree. It, it does make, simple, or make sense and it's simplicity. Um, you, you've been to many different shaman tribes. Which do you prefer, the Incas, the Mayans, the Peruvians? Well, I just, I, I, I came here to Virginia after spending, um, I don't know, it was eight or nine months uh, in the Yucatan um, and, and, and studying with, with um, the Mayan people and, and some Mayan shamans. I have an article in, in an L.A. newspaper about one Mayan shaman right now, and, and, uh, and, and I, I got to expose... You know, to spend time in the in the Mayan ruins, and, and their teachings had ver a lot of similarities with the Incas. The Incas have a lot of similarities with the with the smaller tribes in the Amazon. I, I've been to Africa, and and what I was able to gather there, um, uh, and and Morocco, uh, and and Sierra Leone and Uganda, a lot of the ancient pre-European teachings have a lot in common. Um, they all took different paths, different ways of expressing it. They had different gods, goddesses. Uh, but but there's basic, if there's a connectedness to nature that we've pretty much lost in the Western world, there's an importance of human beings that we've pretty much lost in the human world. There, there's a there's a sense of of symbolism that's everywhere that we can interpret how the clouds move how the the bugs move how how coca leaves fall how tea leaves are in teacups that that are basic i'm partial um to Inga because i was still trying to figure out what what mad what life was about and what magic was about i had studied with with uh witches in salem massachusetts uh, and and read Edgar Casey and um, God I think Bob Monroe side this Institute first book came out when I graduated from high school so I read that uh, and 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 when I went to Peru for the first time so many of the pieces came together about who I was and and what the poss what the world was before European um, materialism and and the capitalist system had become the norm throughout the world and that to me was so important in changing my worldview and and blowing open my worldview uh, that it allowed me to go on to to so much more and and to and to live a life i, I mean i feel so blessed that that i've been able to live a life and travel the world and meet the people and accomplish the things and and, and touch other people's lives and be touched by other people in the way i have and and I think if I hadn't have originally gone to, to, to Peru, to Machu Picchu, to, to Lake Titicaca, I, I, um, I went back years after going to Peru the first time and, and, um, and adopted my two children uh, from Peru. My son was born in, in Puno on Lake Titicaca, high in the Andes Mountains, 
and and my daughter comes from Lima, and uh, I thought I was doing something unselfish. I thought I was helping people, two children who were abandoned in in the Civil War where so many people were dying. Uh, I I I thought it was a noble thing, and in truth, it was the most selfish thing I've ever done because they became my two best spiritual teachers, and to this day. Uh, my son's now 26. My daughter's 25. My son works in business in San Diego, and my daughter teaches second grade in in Salinas, California, up near Monterey. And 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 they're my two best friends. Uh, and God, what a selfish thing I did, thinking I I was doing something for Peru or for two often children. Um, and and I and I really try to give that to people. That a lot of times, if we if we are unselfish, it's the most selfish way to be. Uh, and and it's why Peru and the Incas, I think, have so much, such a special place in my heart. That's so beautiful. It hits a note in, as I as I hear you speak of it. And Michael, we're slowly coming to a wrap on the on the show. I'm wondering if you can uh, either give a piece of knowledge to pass on, or an experience that has moved you, or here here at the Monroe Institute, um, the the founder Bob Monroe liked to say that. The only limits are the ones we accept. Uh, and, and to me, that's really what I've found, that we really put our own limits in our lives, that there's, there's simple magic um, in believing we can achieve what we want, we can find what we want, we can change about ourselves and our world what we want. Uh, and, and by getting clear on, the shamans use a thing called, they have many different names for it with their different languages, but it boils down to intent. And, and that could be used as will or focus. If we decide that we want to change something in our lives, that we want to achieve something in our lives, that we want to improve something in our lives, it's doable. We just have to desire it with a burning passion. And we have to expect that we're going to bring it in. And, and we have to believe that we will. We have to see a picture in our in our future of us doing what we want, achieving what we want, being the way we want. And if we can do that with all of our focus, then then we're able to do that. I've seen it time and again with people who had all odds against them, um, just turn their lives around, just make the biggest difference imaginable. And and, uh, and they teach that here in the Monroe Institute. And I've seen it with. With the the a, a recent past president of Peru started out as a shoeshine boy on the streets of Lima and became the president of Peru. He was the first native Peruvian um, of of, of uh, Quechuan, which is descendant of the Inca stock, and and he achieved that role. And it's doable for anyone who sets their mind to it. Wow, it, I I agree. Um, I understand what you're coming from. Um, Michael, if there's any websites or anything that people want to check you out. You know, my website just fell down. I had michaelpeterlangevin.com, and, and I hope to rearrange it. Um, Michael, I, I have a, a Facebook page, Michael Peter Langevin, uh, and people can sign up for that. It's open to the public. And there's also, uh, there's also people can email me at michaelpeterlangevin. It's L-A-N-G-E-V, as in victory, I-N. Um, uh, at gmail.com uh, if they have any questions after hearing this uh, I'll be more than glad to answer any questions for anyone and and, uh, and send people to, to more information on whatever level I can 
that's excellent, Michael. Thank you for coming on and spending your time and your experiences and stories. Um, and thank you very much. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansish.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sansish Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.